Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I am alone in studio. Taylor's still at the beach. But today's guest is Keith Costigan. Keith Costigan, you should know from his work on Fox Sports. You'll either have heard him uh, doing some excellent commentary or you've seen him in studio. Keith is one of our one of our favorite soccer people because he's someone who knows how to watch and analyze and then explain what is happening in a game. So he's a great person to talk about Liverpool. He's also a Liverpool fan. Um, he's a journalist who's got quite connected with the club, so he's got a nice view of the inside. So on today's show, I asked Keith to essentially um, talk about Liverpool's upcoming, we assume, title challenge and to really explain how Jurgen Klopp sets up his team and how Liverpool go about their business. I think it's a really good interview. I think you'll really enjoy it. Keith is talking to me from his car while driving, so the audio quality isn't perfect, but it's pretty good. And I think the quality of the conversation more than makes up for it. Okay, let's talk some Liverpool. So joining me from the road, it's Keith Costigan. Hello, Keith. You are behind the wheel. Is that right? I am behind the wheel. I'm uh, hopefully driving my way to a Premier League title for Liverpool this year. <laughs> um, did you, is your driving involved in the title race? Does that mean you're going too fast? <laughs> heavy no, metal I, driving. I'm in LA. Yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no heavy metal driving in LA, yeah. <laughs> um, so I do want to ask you, um, I know you're based in LA mostly because of your work for Fox, right? Uh, before we talk Liverpool, yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested in uh, what you're working on right now. Like, what's, the, what's the next game you'll be commentating on or next thing you'll be, you'll be presenting? Yeah, um, well, I just came off doing the German Super Cup at the weekend and uh, and uh, some MLS with Seattle. This weekend, I'll be on Seattle and New England. And then uh, the following weekend is when everything really kicks off for Fox with uh, the Bundesliga coverage. So I'll be on both the, the Bayern Munich game and the Borussia Dortmund game that weekend. So really excited to get back at it. It actually looks like from the Super Cup uh, that Dortmund are ready to challenge this year. So, yeah, uh, Jadon Sancho know, scored, right? Yes. Yeah, Jaden Sancho was fabulous in that game. He really was. Um, was there any sighting of Gio Reyna? Was he on the bench or anything, or is he pretty far from the first team? No, from what I was told, he was the the, the, the next man out. He was the 19th man, so um, he is close. I was I was with Dortmund in the summer, and let's just say they're really impressed with what they've seen so far, and they have uh, they have a lot of hopes for him. But they're, they're going to keep him grounded, obviously, um, a lot like they did with Christian at first, but. You know, he's a very talented player. Oh, that'll be an exciting thing to watch on Fox then. Hopefully we see his debut at some point uh, during the season. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to try not to get carried away. I'm going to take your advice and not get carried away. Um, <laughs> all right, let's, let's talk Liverpool. Champions League champions. 97 points in the Premier League next year, uh, last year. Um, I'm guessing the goal this year is try and win the title, right? Go for it. Yeah, I, I think, look, you know, with with the history for how long it's been since Liverpool have won the, the, the title, yeah, it has to be the number one goal. I think it was the number one goal last year, but um, I, I think Klopp has always shown that he's going to give equal footing to, you know, the Premier League and the Champions League. And and I don't think the Champions League run affected Liverpool towards the, or down the stretch last season because no. they were near impeccable. They're, they're just up against one of the, the very best teams to ever play in England and Manchester City. So, But yeah, I think when you look at the, the list of trophies, number one on that list this year for, for you know, 99.9% of Liverpool fans is 
the Premier League title. Can we actually, can we go back in history a little bit and just think about how long it's been since Liverpool won the Premier League? I'm going to guess, I think we're of similar age. Um, like when I was a kid, it was, the, it was pre-Manchester United dominance and it was Liverpool was the team, right? Like everyone at my uh, primary school, like elementary school for Americans, uh, you know, was a Liverpool fan, had like a John Barnes jersey or whatever. Um, they were the team. And yet there's been this decades long thing. Do you have any explanation for how and why that happened? And this is a big topic to get into. It, it, it's weird. And, and, you know, I was 13 when Liverpool last won the title. And, you know, you don't win it the next year. And you're like, that's OK. We'll, we'll, we'll come back the next year. And then all of a sudden you make signings like Dean Saunders that don't quite work out. And yeah. then you're chasing. And then, you know, you change the manager and then you're chasing again. So it, it, it was weird. I, I mean, look, I love Graeme Souness as a player at Liverpool. But I, I think his time there... You know, really good at the club of, of a lot of good players. And we kind of almost started from scratch again. And you, you couple in with the fact that what a job Alex Ferguson did at Manchester United. He wrestled control. And I think United are finding this out now as well. It's difficult when you're knocked off top spot to all of a sudden rebuild and become a, a juggernaut in the Premier League again. So when yeah. it happened, I was like, yep, I'm used to this. It happens every year. Like you, I, I love watching Barnes. Steve McMahon was my favorite player. And then all of a sudden, you know, we lost a lot of those key players. And, and yeah, you, you just could not get back in the title race. So uh, it's been too long. Uh, we've had a lot of false dawns. So, uh, you know, I'm not kidding myself uh, every year that starts. But uh, I certainly go into this season with, uh, with high hopes and expectations. So I've been talking, I've done a Chelsea preview, an Everton preview, a Manchester United preview um, and a Tottenham preview. And everybody I've spoken to, we first talked about, you know, the big signings their team have made. Even Tottenham signed, signed in Dombele uh, this year. And I'm, I was thinking maybe I'd forgotten a Liverpool signing, but there really hasn't been any major signing, right? There's been Vandenberg, uh, the young centre-back. There's been Harvey Elliott from Fulham. And Adrian, the goalkeeper, has essentially come in to replace uh, Mignolet. But there's been no marquee signing. Is, is that something that worries you or do you see that as stability? No, I, I see it as stability. I, I look throughout the squad, and uh, I think Ryan Brewster coming coming uh, up and being fully fit. He's a top young player. Uh, I've covered him at the youth level. I've watched him in the academy for a long time. And, and I think we always talk about wanting managers to have faith in young players, and I think Klopp certainly has in, in Ryan. I think he'll be brought in as as time moves on. I think the emergence of Divock Origi over the, the second half of last season gives depth to that front group as well. You have Shakiri, And then you add in the fact that, look, Naby Keita had a, a bit of an injury hit campaign, but he's fully fit, and, and I expect him to have a really big year. And then you have Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back as oh, well. Of course, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so I, I, th- I think Klopp looks at it as the dynamics of a dressing room can be affected by big signings who want to come in and play, and you have to have someone that's you know above and beyond what you already have. And I think Liverpool... You mentioned that 97 points last year. They weren't far away. You add in Ox, you add in Naby Keita, fully fit. And I think Liverpool have, have a good enough squad to, uh, to compete. So if, say, uh, Felipe Coutinho is maybe on the outs at Barcelona, if he were to arrive back at Liverpool, which I, I'm not sure if it's strongly rumoured or not, but let's just say it's a, a possibility as a destination, would that help or hurt? Uh, it would depend. Look, I think he's a top player. I think he knows the Liverpool system. Um, uh, but again, you know, I, I don't think Klopp ever really trusted him as a midfielder in the in the midfield three. So right. you would, you're talking about the front three. Who would he play ahead of? In certain games, yes. But in big games, I think Klopp is very comfortable with the lineup he has, and his his track record in big games is is really really good. Um, but 
having said that, look, Coutinho, I think every Liverpool fan has a soft spot for him because of how good he was, some of the goals that he scored for the team. Um, but, I, you know, I think Klopp is not someone that, you know, makes those decisions with his heart. He understands that players coming back a second time doesn't always quite work out how you would like. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, he's looking forward rather than back. I, I also, if I was a Liverpool fan, I, I would like the idea right now that it's not a place that people want to leave. Right, like Virgil van Dijk is maybe recognised as the, the dominant defender in the world right now, but he's not saying, I want to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think um, having Coutinho leave and then come back, it, it kind of it just plays into that thing of losing your best players, like losing Suarez to, to Barcelona. So maybe it, maybe it is better to not have, uh, to not, essentially to not welcome back the people who leave to begin with. Yeah, and look, the point you make is a great one because it's only two or three years removed when Liverpool, every every summer, it was all about who's going to leave now, yeah. uh, what player wants to go. And, and all of a sudden, Klopp said, you know, he wanted to make Liverpool a destination again. And, and it is. Um, you know, I think any top player wants to play for Klopp. Uh, Liverpool have made two Champions League finals in a row. Uh, Barcelona haven't been in the Champions League final in the last two years. So I think I think what he's done is he's, he's shown that, look, if you want to leave, leave. But you're going to miss out on, on what's going to be a very successful period here. And because of that, it's quite easy for most first year. Any other year, Mo Salah would have been linked with everybody. Yeah. Uh, Sadio Mane would have been linked with everybody. But, but those things have been quashed because those players see um, the, the trophies at the end of the tunnel, if you like, at Liverpool. So I think that's testament to the work the manager's done. The, the, the staff as well, and Michael Edwards and, and FSG. So, um, yeah, you know, credit Liverpool or credit Jurgen Klopp for making the club a destination. And, and, and again, to lose someone like Coutinho and just continue to, to push forward is, is, is quite an amazing feat. And I think that's what he's going to do here. Look forward again. And, and Coutinho had a, a, a great spell at the club, but I don't think he's going to be a part of the future again. Um, so the front three, obviously, um, Mo Salah, Roberto Firmino um, and Sergio Mane, uh, I've seen concerns raised that they all had very busy summers, right? So Salah and Mane were in the African Cup of Nations um, and Roberto Firmino went all the way to the final of the Copa America with Brazil. Um, do you see that as being a problem? Like, Do you know like if in pre-season, have these three been playing? Are they ready to start the season or, or are they still resting and we shouldn't expect to see them for a couple of weeks? No, I, I think we'll see them. Um, I, I think there's this misconception about Klopp. There's a lot of fitness in, in preseason. He works his players very well. But he also has players on different workloads. Um, he understands the, the, the mechanics or the, the dynamics of, of uh, international football taking a, a toll out of players. So, you know, ideally you want players to have a, a lot longer than three weeks off or in Mane's case, just two weeks off. But the load will be managed for Sadio Mane. Um, I don't envision in, in three weeks when we have our first international break that Mane goes and plays international football. I think Liverpool will give him another week off then. Um, so I think the, the practice load will be managed. And, and you're not dealing with uh, the old-style footballer, perhaps when we were young, that went on holiday and drank themselves silly and came <laughs> back out of shape. Yeah, there was no social media then, so they got away with it. Um, but, you know, I, I interviewed Sadio Mane last year and, you know, he told me he travels with a chef, he travels with a trainer, he doesn't drink. Um, so, so these players are, are already keeping themselves in, in prime physical condition. So, you know, the, 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 the condition they come in at to the condition they need to be at, there's not that big a window uh, as there was in the past with some, some of the old-style players. 
Do you um do you know what happened with uh Raymond Verheyen and and Jurgen Klopp? I remember reading a thing about how Verheyen, he's this famous sort of uh correct me if I'm wrong, I'm I'm doing this from like shaky memory, uh Dutch sort of fitness and performance type expert. And I think wasn't yeah. he critical of Klopp at some point, but then afterwards credited Klopp with responding to the criticism and making improvements. Do I have that story right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. You know, Raymond's a very outspoken uh, fitness trainer. Um, you know, he's the only one that knows how to do things, apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, ironically, ironically, he's not with a club, so that might tell you a little bit something uh, about the, the personality. But no, I, I think it was the first year Klopp came in. Liverpool had some hamstring issues, um, and, and he put it down to Klopp's new training regime. I, I think, look, for Klopp, he, he's done a good job of... Um, of you know, managing the loads, taking on the advice of his staff, um, having players at different stages of their, 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 the week doing different fitness. So the, the players are primed to be ready for game day. He's not, you know, and, and look, they're, they're used to the club system now. Two, three years in, they've built up that fitness level as well. They do it very early on. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think he's saying that Klopp has changed, but I think that was always the plan for Klopp. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know whether it was a coincidence early on or, you know, Klopp was trying to do something mid-season where we had some injuries, but uh, Raymond is, is is an interesting character. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take everything he says, uh, you know, uh, too seriously because he's someone that, you know, unless it's done his way, it's the wrong way. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We interrupt Keith Costigan's drive to talk to Taylor Rockwell. Taylor still on vacation, still taking my phone calls. So thank you for that and hello. I mean, you told me I had to. I yeah. didn't realize it was optional. If it was optional, I wouldn't have had to. So. It's, in, it's in the TSS um, contract. Was Keith Costigan playing golf or driving? He was driving his motor vehicle. Okay. He lives in uh, he lives in Los Angeles, cool. if that makes it simpler. <laughs> I mean, it could be both. He could be playing golf. I don't know these things. That's but, true. Yeah, that, was, that was nice of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he talked while he was driving. Um, seemed like a smooth drive because I didn't hear any incidents along the way. And Keith, he's, get, he's in the middle of getting into some really good tactical detail by the time listeners hear this. I think it's a really good, a really good Liverpool preview from someone who knows that team inside out. I mean, I've, I have enjoyed all the previews so far. I've been very appreciative of all your previews so far. And I don't want to take up too much time because I'm sure people will want to get back to Keith. So maybe okay. we should just very briefly talk about today's sponsor, if that works for you. <laughs> you want to get back to your vacation, don't you? Uh, but yes, yes. <laughs> today's sponsor is Fubo TV. It's a new Total Soccer Show sponsor, F-U-B-O dot TV, Fubo mm-hmm. TV. And Taylor, this is a product that we can attest to because we now yeah. both have... Fubo TV subscriptions. We do, and I'm not going to lie, they're awesome. I'm a they big fan of them. They are, uh, right? It's been really nice to have. Yeah, it, it, it has been, I'll say this, like, so we cut the cord, and we, and then we have, like, the streaming platforms as well, but it can be really frustrating because, like, like our NBC Sports subscription, for example, sometimes, like, when I go to login, like, it needs an app, it needs an app update, or then, like, when I do that, it's lost my login information, so I have to do all that again, and if you're, like, waking up to watch a game. You want to just turn it on and have that game there. And that's kind of what Fubo offers is like you can go to the NBC Sports channel and it's right there. And then you're yep. good to go. You don't have to log in. You don't have to do a bunch of other stuff. It's right there when you want it. And you can switch around because there's other games too. And most importantly, there's other like streaming options so that you can watch, say, Demolition Man at halftime, which I have done <laughs> in order to not listen to the halftime commentators. <laughs> yeah, so it is. It's like cutting the cord, but without having all the crazy app logins, right? Because it's basically like TV once you're on the, yeah. uh, the Fubo platform. Mm-hmm. 
and, you know, there are a few companies that do a similar thing to what Fubo do, but my understanding is Fubo is the only company that's soccer focused. It started with the yeah. idea of let's get access to as many soccer channels as possible. So you get Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, NBC Sports, uh, BN Sports, like the obvious ones. And then you get Univision Deportes and 11, which yeah. I didn't even know was a channel until I got Fubo, but the soccer on 11. Gold TV so, uh, is, yeah, is right. still around. The Italian TV. Yeah, yes. Gold TV is in there. It, it's in there. Being sports is hard to get on some <laughs> platforms. Um, so it, uh, Fubo I need to, I need to add that I, I, I mentioned Rai, and uh, from the bathroom where my wife is getting ready, uh, I heard her say Calcio. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing she's adding her tenure. She also she, notes, oh, now she's doing a fist bump, a fist bump of solidarity for, uh, for <laughs> Serie A, I guess. But uh, and she also noted that it is a nice thing where like if you enjoy like having background noise on as you fall asleep, which I do occasionally, especially if I'm napping, you gotta have the background noise. I know you, you do. We've, have, like, we've shared time. a hotel room. Oh, that's true. Uh, you know, same thing. They're all outside the suffer. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's nice because you can like just have the TV on. You don't have to like select a movie and then go through the whole, the whole rigmarole of like what Netflix movie or show have I seen enough that I won't need to pay attention to so I can fall asleep, <laughs> but won't get dragged into and be excited by it. And you can just put on a regular soccer game and away you go. And you can also do this anywhere. Fubo's crazy portable, mm-hmm. as in you can have yeah. it as an app on your TV or you can log in on your yeah. phone or on your iPad. Yeah. Or you can log in on your log in on your laptop, which is a thing I really appreciate. You know, sometimes we want to watch a game for TSS purposes, and we sometimes yeah. it's really hard to find. I and especially they've got this extra feature where one, there's a cloud DVR, so you can record Whoa. games if you want. But there's also the 72 hour replay thing is the thing I find incredible. So it means if I've missed a game and it's on Fox Sports One, say I don't have to worry about not DVRing it because you just open it up and for 72 hours it's still available so you can still go back time and watch now. it and it's, you can time travel time travel it's with time Fubo travel. TV exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if if We've uh, we've got our listeners excited. If they want to check out Fubo, how can they do that, Mr. Grove? Well, there's a deal. You can get 10% what? off. 10% off uh, for the first two months with the family package if you go to fubotv.com slash TSS. It's a special landing page um, just for TSS listeners. That's fubotv.com slash TSS. Uh, Daryl, I don't know if you know that, but that is an abbreviation for Total Soccer Show. It's oh. actually an acronym. If you want, yeah, that it's, makes it's sense. interesting. You can use it both ways. That makes <laughs> sense. My wife, my wife just uh, looked up, thought about it for a moment, and then nodded that I had used acronym correctly. I believe <laughs> that just happened there. So thank you very much to Fubo TV. We have loved uh, both being able to use that service, but then also we are very excited to have them on as a sponsor. So Absolutely. welcome to the Total Soccer Show, Fubo TV. Uh, and hopefully people will check them out because I think they definitely should. And now I will stop rambling so we can get it back to people who are talking about things uh, that are useful, like Liverpool season preview. <laughs> well, before we do, there is one thing I want to note, which I think is something you'll notice is that there's no ESPN uh, on Fubo uh, TV. Yeah, but the reason that I found that's not a problem is the U.S. national team games, for example, that are on ESPN are also on Univision Deportes. Um, So Mm -hmm. you don't miss out, even though ESPN is not part of the Fubo.tv platform. So that's worth noting. And once again, Fubo.tv slash TSS. Yeah, I guess they they were interested in ESPN, but Mickey Mouse said no. That's how it works. (laughs) Mickey Mickey Mouse drives a hard bargain. Mickey Mouse drives a hard bargain. He's a tough guy. Yeah. When you go to negotiations, he's Mickey, like outside, and you go into the negotiation room, and suddenly it's Mr. Mouse. And it's a weird transition that you have to make. Suddenly he's all Mr. Mouse. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He actually puts puts business gloves on. He takes off the white puppy ones, and he has these, like, sleek business gloves. 
it's kind of frightening. <laughs> Um, we also should mention the 10% discount that you can get uh, that you get on the first two months of the family plan that offers 104 channels three simultaneous streams and 500 hours of DVR space it offers three simultaneous streams that's that's insanity that's too much it means you can log in three different times basically and watch it in you you can fall asleep in three different rooms Taylor or I'm just going to really go to town and just have three different Fubo streams going from like phone uh, iPad and uh, laptop I mean, sometimes you've got to watch three soccer games at once, like when the Premier League season uh, <laughs> kicks off this weekend. I'm <laughs> sorry, do you know what happens when you watch three games at once? <laughs> you get cross-eyed? You, you watch no games at once. That's it's true. That, that, is, that is true. All right, well, thank you to Fubo for sponsoring the Total Soccer Show. We're really excited to be partnering with them. Um, but I was also sure, really yeah. excited to talk to Keith Costigan about Liverpool Football Club. So let's hear some more from Keith. Speaking of Jurgen Klopp uh, changing up his methods, I think I saw a slight change in the Liverpool style. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of the pressing style. Like early, early Liverpool Jurgen Klopp, I saw as, you know, there was the heavy metal football thing, which uh, followed him from Dortmund, but really like full, full court press kind of thing, swarming the opposition and like trying to win games early on. Whereas towards like maybe halfway through last season or maybe for all of last season, I think I saw something much more conservative and controlled and i wondered uh, one do you see the same thing and two do you know that because i know you you have like some access to the club right so i'm guessing you've seen some some stuff on the inside um could you describe what you're going what the liverpool defensive style is now yeah yeah i, I would agree I, I think look i think early on liverpool had um you know certain personnel that you know pressing was important to defend to protect that midfield to protect the back four and uh, and, and it worked well um, Liverpool created an identity, but I, I think now they, they have, um, they, you know, when, when you don't press as high, you can entice the opposition forward a little bit more, get into those counter-attacking spaces with, with Salah and Mane, and you have players that can dominate the game. The players all around in that Liverpool side are better now than the, the side that Jurgen Klopp took over. So, you know, uh, Liverpool couldn't really defend as many crosses from, from wide areas as they you know as they can now with Van Dijk and, and Matip and Gomez because back then defensively in, in the middle of, of the defence they had a, a weakness so um, I, I think that all plays a part and I think personnel plays a part in it and I think it's the management load of you know making sure you're primed to be you know fit at the end of the season I think you saw with Leeds last year Bielsa is another um, player or another coach who likes to press Probably has to in terms of, um, you know, he doesn't have the, the quality of personnel Liverpool do, but teams like that tend to tire over the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think Liverpool, in big games, if you, you know, I was at the Barca game at home, I thought they pressed really well on that one. They press against teams to play out. But if you don't play out, there's no point in chasing. Uh, but if you go direct on Liverpool now, they can, they can absorb it better. They can play through midfield and go forward. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I think you're spot on. It, it, can, it can look a little bit more conservative, but Liverpool still have the ability to press uh, when they need to, but also the ability to control games in other ways. And, and that's because the personnel has, has improved dramatically since Jurgen Klopp took over. So when they're uh, defending, say the opposition has the ball and they're bringing it out, what, do you, what is the goal? What are Liverpool trying to force the opposition to do? Like if they're not just doing like the full man-to-man press and trying to win the ball back, like normally there's a goal of like make someone play wide or make someone play long. Do you see a specific like pattern that Liverpool are trying to force the opposition into? 
Well, well, I worked with Michael Beale this summer, who came from the Liverpool system, and, and uh, you know, Michael's a, a, an assistant now at uh, Glasgow Rangers, and, and a lot of the, the, the sessions that Liverpool would work on is, you know, allowing one centre-back to have it, but you, you, you call it like a pressing zone. So in that, you know, defensive third for the opposition, you allow them to come out, but once that ball is played into midfield, you, you immediately press the option in possession. So it's, it's kind of like if, if one player or two players is free, two centre-backs are free in that defensive zone, it stands for reason you have numbers up everywhere else on the field. And if you have that, you should be able to press, you know, with, with a high intensity in, in a deeper position. And when you do that, you also back-press as well. So rather than Mane, and, and at times Mane and Salah are back behind the ball, but, you know, if the ball's played beyond them, they can back-press, and then they're out, that's once Liverpool win it. So, so that's what I see when, when, uh, when Michael Bale does it uh, in his sessions. You can certainly see it, and it allows you to really break quickly from there into into the open spaces left by the opposition. But uh, you know, it, it's something I know the Liverpool Academy teams work on, and, and I'd imagine it's what Jurgen Klopp works on as well. I guess so. Yeah, the, maybe one of the things I saw is uh, Firmino instead of pressing the centre back would be marking like the deepest midfielder. So I guess it, it's just like slightly like one line back, and you're saying there's more numbers to to press once you let the opposition play the ball into there. And then, if I'm following you correctly then because it's slightly higher up the field, there's more space to break into, essentially. Yeah. I mean, if you have two centre-backs who uh, the opposition who have the ball and there's no pressure, the natural instinct for them is to, is to start to move forward. So if they play the ball forward and Liverpool win it quickly, uh, not many clubs have the pace of Liverpool to then break into those spaces. So it's almost enticing the opposition to say, hey, open out, you know, come forward. But when you do, we're, gonna, we're, we're really going to press that first pass. And I think that's an important thing. They, they call it the, the trigger. The, the, the first pass is the trigger. Uh, when it hits someone's feet, you're on them quickly. And then the, the, the key then is once the ball goes back again, you go back with it. You don't allow the centre-back to get it a second time. I see. So you press further forward again. So, it's, um, you know, I, I see a number of clubs doing it um, rather than pressing high. Because if you press high and the front three lose shape, first of all, the front three have to chase a lot. But then if they lose shape, you can get a little bit disconnected. And the idea defensively in any press is to have your lines as tight as possible so there's no way of playing through. Um, and, and I think Liverpool have done a good job. And then, of course, you, if you try to play over, Liverpool have you know, centre-backs now who are more than capable, you know, maybe some of the best in the business at winning the ball in the air and you know, keeping possession for the team. Yeah, and I guess Van Dijk and Gomez, assuming that's the starting partnership, they're also not going to be caught for pace in behind either, right? So they've kind of got every angle covered between them. Yeah, yeah, and, and it wasn't always the case. I mean, Klopp wanted to attack with his fullbacks, but at times it, it did leave the centre-backs exposed. But I, I do think it's important for a coach to have a philosophy first. Um, you hear coaches saying, well, I want to play this way, but I can't because I don't have the players. Well, then you don't have a philosophy. Klopp went, this is the way we're going to play. He, he allowed players the opportunity to play there, but if they didn't get it done, he replaced them. He wasn't going to change that philosophy in terms of how open Liverpool are, the fullbacks going forward. And again, you think of how high, you know, Robertson is. And, and Man City tried to exploit it the other day. They went a lot more direct um, over the top of Robertson and Trent. Um, but how high they are, yet how good Liverpool are uh, in terms of the defensive record conceding goals last year, um, you know, it's a testament to the top's faith in that philosophy playing out and, and being really open and expansive playing out. So how do Liverpool cover? Say that ball in behind Robertson, if he's high up the field. Is there a midfielder that drops in, or do you just hope that Virgil van Dijk has enough about him to, to make up for it? 
Well, the, the first idea is because you've got so many numbers forward that the long ball shouldn't be an option because okay. you, you have immediate pressure. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's um, you know, if Robertson goes forward, um, naturally the right winger is going to have to track back because if he doesn't, Robertson is free. So if the right winger tracks back and, you know, the opposition wins possession, who exactly are they playing to? Because if the wingers are dropping in, uh, they don't have outlets. Um, so you're, you're basically... You know, you're daring the opposition. Yeah, you can you can keep your wingers high, but you know we're going to have numbers up and attack them. Um, and if if oppositions, if the opposition leave one forward, it's one forward against you know two centre backs who are quick, good in the air, cover ground, and Gomez or Matip and and Van Dijk. So you know it, it, it's it's difficult for teams to to break out and you know all of a sudden offer a counter attacking threat. Um, so it, it's an interesting one. It's you know, some teams may leave two players wide and have their, their central attacker drop in, and, and that can cause a little bit of trouble. I thought, like I said, I thought City did a really good job of it in the first half the other day. They played in over the top and they had success, but as the game wore on, I thought Liverpool adjusted quite well and, and, and became a bigger threat themselves. Nice. Okay, so I think we've given people a good understanding of Liverpool's defensive setup. Uh, what about when Liverpool have the ball? Um, say, you know, uh, the ball is played out to a centre-back in the box this season. Say Van Dijk receives it in the box. Um, what are Liverpool about to do? What are they looking to do once they have possession of the ball? Well, the, mid- the midfield three is different, isn't it? Because when you talk about a midfield three, a lot of times you're talking about two two holders and a ten. Liverpool play three across, basically. So it's, you know, one one slightly to the left, one central, one slightly to the right. So if you watch Robertson when he pushes forward... If he takes the, 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 the midfielder with him, you'll see, uh, you know, Genie Wijnaldum dropping in or Fabinho dropping in and getting it. So the midfielders then drop that a little bit deeper uh, and they can get possession and they can, you know, play that ball out to a Robertson or out to a Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, the opposition, um, you know, almost will give the width to the fullback because they're, they're worried about Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. Because if they go all the way out wide and try to cover Robertson, Mane's in that, like, what they call the half space, as Pat Guardiola would say, like, in between the fullback and the centre-back. So they're, 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 creating, they're creating mismatches in those areas and making it difficult for teams to commit numbers defensively. That's why a lot of times you'll just see teams sit back. You'll just see, you know, teams allowing Liverpool to have the ball in a certain area. Um, but I, I think for the most part, Liverpool do a really good job of occupying the wide areas with the fullbacks, and that allows Mane and Salah to be in really, really good attacking areas. And, uh, and that, that's what allows them to be goal-scoring threats. And the, the one thing we haven't mentioned, which I assume is kind of obvious, but if you've never seen Liverpool play before and you've never heard of Jurgen Klopp before, the Gagan press or the counter-press. So um, I'm assuming it's still the case that if Liverpool lose the ball, they will try and win it back as soon as, as, soon as possible and as high as possible. Yeah, and, and that's something that can change because you're so open. If, if Robertson was to get forward and try to play across in and there wasn't an immediate press, um, yeah, it, it, it's very difficult to play that system because you're allowing longer service. So, yeah, Liverpool, they, again, they have so many numbers in those concentrated areas that if they do lose possession, it's not immediately to try to win it back. But if you watch the midfield three, when Liverpool lose the ball higher, they don't drop, they advance. So they immediately put pressure on players. You know, if it's a longer service, there shouldn't be because there's pressure on the ball. But if it is, Van Dijk and Gomez can cover one striker. Um, but when the ball is played into a midfielder, Liverpool don't retreat. Fabinho will step and try to deny 
Um, you know, Henderson will do the same. And Alden, they're all uh, they're all very aggressive players. Liverpool don't have again one of the reasons why I say Klopp didn't necessarily trust Coutinho in the midfield role. He likes those midfield three to really be active and press and, and be on the front foot, and that allows Liverpool to win the ball back high as well. So, given everything you've just described, Liverpool sound terrifying, which is what they were for most opponents <laughs> this past season. I'm going to put you in an uncomfortable position. Uh, if you were coaching against Liverpool and you had, say, a top 10, uh, but not Man City, but like top 10 style Premier League team, how would you set your team up to, to try and combat Liverpool? Well, well I mean, that's tough because Liverpool for me, a little bit like City, almost unplayable when they're at their best. But I, I think you have to have a willingness to, to, to open out yourself in possession. You can't just you can't just drop back and sit back. I, I think uh, for me, I would have my my number nine drop in a little bit and, and defend those central areas. But I'd have my my two uh, wide players, my my wide attacking players, give options in those wide positions. Um, I, I think when you do that, um, you give yourself or you, you make it more difficult for Trent and uh, and Andy Robertson to all of a sudden just go forward and you know, allow them to do whatever they want in the attack. Right. I think you have to occupy them. But, but you've seen, look, you've seen some of the best teams in the world and they haven't been able to do it. So it's, you know, Klopp's well-drilled. He has a good system. It's not un, unfallible. I mean, there's, there's ways through it, but you have to be brave as well. You have to keep possession. And I think you have to, you know, commit numbers forward um, when you do have possession too. And I hope that's what teams do against Liverpool because that always, for me, that makes for a really entertaining game. When teams are prepared to go toe-to-toe with Liverpool, it's always just great, essentially great TV. It's great sporting spectacle rather than watching a team be compact and sit back and wait for Liverpool to break them down. So just in terms of my viewership, I would like teams to do that. Um, what, um, what worries you in terms of if a player is injured or suspended? Like, who's the player, that, or the player or two that Liverpool could least afford to lose for an extended period? I, I think it's Salah and, and Mane. Um, I think Firmino obviously would be up there too. But that front three, uh, you don't have like for like. I know Oxford Chamberlain played right a little bit in, in uh, preseason, but that's not his natural role. Um, you know, I, I think those players are, are real game changers. Um, you know the, the the positions they pick up. I think Mane, for what he's done over the last few years, maybe still one of the most underrated players in European football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he commits players, he works back defensively, he delivers crosses, he's good in the air. Um, and then Salah is just—I mean, he's so direct with his running. You saw at the weekend he had ten shots against Man City. Um, I mean, I mean they're just so difficult to pick up in those wide areas. They understand that role so well that. It's quite difficult for someone to come in and just naturally replace that position. So I would say those are the areas where you look for Liverpool. You say, you know, fingers crossed, they say fit because they really are key to the success of the team. And then final question I have for you, um, which youth players do you see breaking through? Because, I mean, I've been really excited as an England fan about, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joe Gomez being kind of trusted and integrated into the into the team so well. Like, do we expect that Ryan Brewster, is it Ryan Brewster or Ryan Brewster, uh, will we'll play significant Rian. minutes? Yeah. It's Ryan. Um, and are there any other players who are sort of in and around the first team, maybe you've seen them in pre-season, who could, you know, get some serious minutes for Liverpool this season? I, I think Ryan is the obvious one, um, you know, because he is an attacker. I, I think that will excite fans. I think uh, I covered the, the European U-17 Championships this year. 
uh, Keanu Hoover, the, the young right back, uh, he's just turned 17, is very good. He can play centre back as well. He's almost like he almost looks like a mini Van Dyke in terms of his build. <laughs> uh, really good on the ball. I, I mean, just just a top quality player. Um, so I, I think he's someone that will offer cover to the fullback positions. Curtis Jones is a, a scouser, is a, a really dynamic midfielder who I'm not quite sure what his best position is going to be yet, but he is top level. Um, you know, watched him a number of times for the academy. And I think Bobby Duncan is, is a striker who just gets goals. Um, he, you know, he's, a, he's, he's got a nose for goal. He's a good finisher. Uh, it's Stephen Gerrard's cousin, so I think, you know, that gets a lot of press as well. But, yeah. but those, are the, those are the guys that I've watched a lot extensively. And, you know, they're in and around, but, but it's, it's a little bit more difficult now. Trent broke in at a time when Liverpool were still evolving. This is a very set, almost starting 11 you have now. So yeah. all of a sudden Liverpool are, are, are faced with what Man City have, which is... Uh, People calling for Phil Foden to get in Man City, and it's like, where does he go? Because the team is so good, and I think Liverpool are going to find that. But I, I think out of all of them, if I was to, you know, if I was to guess which one gets the most minutes this year, I would say it would be Ryan Brewster. Uh, would you mind reminding me of that right back's name one more time? Because I got excited when you said it, but then I forgot the name that you said. Yeah, it's, it's Keanu Hoover. Um, he'll Hoover. be he'll play in the, in the in the yeah he'll play in the world uh, the U17 World Cup with Holland, uh, they're in the same group as the U.S., so we should get to see him. But uh, I watched the Dutch team, and they, they won the European Championships. Uh, I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a team play like the way they played. Kayana Hoover was absolutely outstanding. Winston Bogart's nephew was the centre-back, who was just as good. Uh, I mean, this, this team was electric, and you know he's just signed a new deal. He's going to be a big part of Liverpool's future. There's absolutely no doubt about that. All right, I'll be excited to see excited to see him play. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you think is kind of important for Liverpool this season? Is there anything I'm missing? Any like off the field things or anything else? No, no. I, I think look, I think the club have done. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I know Billy Hogan quite well, who's uh, our commercial director, and what a job he's done off the field too. So, I, I mean, I guess the next big announcement we're waiting from the club is who's going to be the the, the kid sponsor moving forward. But I'll say, I'll say. Um, you know, the, the current kit sponsor has done a really good job. The, the, the uniforms look well, but I think Billy's done a really good job of making sure Liverpool are competitive off the field once, uh, once again. And, and that's important for the future of the club as well. All right. That's great, Keith. Thank you for all the information on Liverpool. Uh, do you have five minutes to talk Ireland national team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, I'd just be interested to know like what what's going on right now because I haven't. So I lived in Ireland for a year and got like got kind of very supportive of the national team around about two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, and I'm wondering what's happening in the post Martin O'Neill era. Well, I, I think Mick coming back in um, is is big. Uh, Stephen Kenny is the U twenty one coach now, and he'll take over in a couple of years. Very highly thought of uh, coach in in Ireland. Uh, he's done a good job in the League of Ireland. Um, so I, I think they're looking for a natural progression. Uh, Robbie Keane has been brought into the coaching staff. Oh. Uh, I know Robbie quite well. We're, we're on a we're on a, a, a UEFA course with the Irish FA together right now. So I'll see him in two weeks back in Dublin. Um, so 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 there's a thought process behind building like a, a proper a proper setup, which I don't think Ireland has always had, um, and I think that's important. And um, they're doing that well. I think. You know, Tom Moan did a really good job with the, the U19 team. They finished in fourth place, if I'm not mistaken, at the, the European Championships, which is 
pretty unheard of for for you know a country the size of Ireland. So the likes of Troy Parrott uh, breaking through at Tottenham is a is a really is a really high hope in terms of giving us a striker that can you know score goals and you know be a difference maker in the final third. So I, I think you add all that up. There's probably a little bit more optimism than we've had in the past for Ireland, but. You look at the starting eleven right now, um, and what you know, Martin and they'll have to deal with as well towards the end. It, it, it's not as quality as some of the Irish teams in the past. We may have to wait a year or two before we see some of the, the young players breaking through. Um, but you know, I, I think at least they're starting to look down the road and, and, and create kind of like a, a pathway for young players and young coaches as well. All right, so it's about building for the future. And I did, uh, we did a Spurs preview uh, with Nathan Clark, and he mentioned Troy Parrott as someone who might see some game time for Tottenham because he's, he's essentially, after Llorente has left, the only backup striker to Harry Kane if they want an actual proper striker as opposed to like playing Son Heung-min and Lucas Moura at the top. So Troy Parrott may be a name that people really know by the end of this season. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think he's very good. He missed out on the European U19 Championships because he was with Tottenham. Um, you know, and, and look, selfishly, you, you might want, oh, we want him to play because we want Ireland to do well. Um, but also, you're you're kind of happy that these young players are, are starting to get opportunities. So, yeah, I think Troy Part is, is definitely a name, uh, you know, that you're going to hear a lot of this season. And he has a manager in Pochettino who's shown, look, he's not afraid to play those young players. And, and that's that's all that's all you want as a young player. A, a club that you feel is a, a pathway that helps him. That helps the Irish national team. And and yeah, I expect to see him sooner rather than later. All right, Keith. I want to say thank you uh, for giving me your time today to to talk Liverpool and a, and a little bit of Ireland. Um, how, how's your progress? How's your progress through the LA traffic? Uh, I'm almost at my destination, if you can believe. Which in LA, you might feel like you're never going to get there, but uh, you know, I'm I'm almost there. So. You've helped me too. You've kept me company. <laughs> helped you pass the time in the LA traffic. Um, so th- <laughs> thank you again, Keith. I always appreciate talking to you. And I'll say best of luck to Liverpool this season. Maybe we'll finally see another Liverpool title win. Aye, fingers crossed. And uh, thanks for your time too.